It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting hasn't been their forte. That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight Bills, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. Like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. And John Nita. Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes. What is up? What is up? It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keep it a real. Live and in person. From Philly, or the Burbs, I should say. Joe Donald, John Mita. We have some great ambiance in the background. Can you hear it raining? Yes, raindrops are in Garrett Hill. Back together again, live and in color. This is the best part, because this way I can see exactly what Joe's doing. Yeah, well, when he's in Iowa, I've, I have no idea what he's doing. I could, to be honest I with could you. though start to <laughs> Skype you, you know, FaceTime. Yeah, you a little so FaceTime Skype. What I'm doing, if that would make you feel more comfortable about the situation, we can do that, John Mita. We can do that. But right now, we've got a little ambiance, a little background noise, a little all natural brotherly love podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Feels good to be on the East Coast, man. Less than 24 hours after arrival, we're cranking out a podcast. Here we go again. It's Here been we go. too long. There's, of course, last time we did it, there's always something that happens the next day. Yeah, yeah. Our last podcast, and then what? 24 hours later, Carson Wentz gets his deal done. Malcolm Jenkins reports to minicamp after we're just saying they better figure it out. So, at least in Eagles land, the sky is not falling. We will talk about the Philadelphia Phillies on this podcast, this edition of the Brotherly Love Podcast, where you could argue the sky is falling. We'll quickly recap the U.S. Open. We'll also talk about the new crown champions in the National Hockey League and the National Basketball Association. Uh, And then I've got to absolutely rip a group of Philadelphians. (laughs) And then I've got to spread the love if I remember to get there. But we are going to begin with our official review of Charlie's, the new Charlie's, Charlie's 2.0 on McDade Boulevard, not uh, some shady back road off McDade Boulevard. Would they move like a stone's throw, maybe two miles down the road, maybe? And uh, we checked it out. I had seen some photos. I had seen some videos. I was not pleased with the decision to move such a beautiful establishment. And uh, out of the five cheeseburger scale i'm going to give the new charlie's less than five cheeseburgers old charlie's was a five cheeseburger lockdown forget it it's a wrap game over one of the best ever the move speaking of ambiance the lack thereof in the new joint have all taken a chink in the armor and i'm going to give charlie's just four cheeseburger stars now Four, Joe, You're at four out of five. Your thoughts, John? Mina? Well, I got to be honest with you, Joe. I thought you were going to come in at a strong three. <laughs> so you think the four is high for me? No, the four is definitely high for you. As soon as we walked in the door, I could just see your face drop like somebody ran over your dog. Yeah, and I was, was like, good. 
Joe, it's not that bad. The color scheme's still in order. They got a little half counter, Tom. They're playing they music. They brought the pictures. They've got security cameras. They've got a light-up sign. <sighs> they offer a Milky Way shake now as the flavor of the month. Like, where are we, Dairy Queen? Well, it's, Stay listen, true to your roots, bro. It's all about bringing in more now, money, baby. That's what it's about. Let's get to the brass tacks. Building the Charlie's brand. Let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. The food and the shakes. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be very clear. I noticed something different about the buns today. The rolls were not. I don't know if they were left out longer. I don't know if they've cheapened their roll purchasing scheme. But the roll, the top bun, was not as nearly as soft as it usually is. It had a little kind of crustiness to it. Appeared to me not well maintained after purchase. So I'm a little disappointed in the bun. I'm a little diff- disappointed in the change in location, the lack of ambiance, the change in the overall vibe of the joint. I'm also not pleased with the additional menu items, which were never cleared by me. <laughs> and overall, it's not like the price went down. You know, you spend $70 in there to feed a family these days. What happened to Charlie's? You get a burger and a shake for like 9 bucks. It ain't happening anymore. So not a lot of things considered, though. if I'm Charlie today, I'm – Happy to get a four cheeseburger rating from one Joe O'Donnell. Well, are you going to – the bigger question I could have come in closer to three and a half or lower, but I did go into a food coma after eating <laughs> because it was delicious. So I had to stay at least four or higher. All right. So are you going to give him a Yelp review? That's – that's. I don't Yelp. No. Ah, see, see. I then, can't actually affect the bottom line unless I one of you. our listeners takes Listen, this review Listen, I, I think they, they offered some more – I mean, most of their business seems like it's done in-house, so they want to expand, get some tables. They have the half countertop, so you don't lose all of it. Yeah. You're just so resistant to I change. Am. I am. Sometimes I mean, listen, good. they seem they they brought the same griddle over. It looked pretty pretty used. Yeah, they, had the old, they had the old school ice cream thing and going. Listen, I get it. Some listen, of the former employees, the gang, yes. the gang was back. I, I will mean, say this. Milkshake Marty. The band back together <laughs> with Marty. And the old lady was there in the Flipping back. She, burgers. She popped her head out once. I saw her. So I was impressed to see because they would know if it was Fugazi Charlie's. And if the old employees didn't want to make the jump, that would tell you something. But we saw some OG employees, so we'll give them credit for that. Now, the little disappointed Milkshake Marty, as we've been calling him. <sighs> no idea what his real name is. It only seems fitting to be Milkshake Marty. We didn't get the tin. We got no aluminum tin for our shakes today. Mm. We said we were staying there, That's and we got no tin. Now, and I thought this is a big red flag, but I looked to my right and off at a different table, homeboy had a tin going. So it's not like they've gassed the tins from their regiment. You they can just... still get the tin. For whatever reason, Milkshake Marty elected to give us all of our shakes into go cups, which, again, you know, at some point, yes, we are going. Seemed like a bigger But cup. I would like – the aluminum metal tin to enjoy my shake. It keeps it colder and it keeps it more gangster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm going to give it a rating, yeah, I'd give I'd, it a rating out of five cheeseburgers. Show me how, five many, how cheeseburgers. many cheeseburgers stars are we going? Well, I got to increase on your rating, so I'm going to go four and a half out of five. All right, what would it have been if we went to the old location today, just like it was five years ago, one year ago? I probably would have given that a four. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> no, I I think all in all it was it was pretty good. I mean it's 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 just different. Like it's before, 
I, I understand what Joe's saying because, like, it, it just set itself, you know, was behind this frontier bar. It looked like a hamburger shack. I yeah, mean, it yeah. kind of had that, you, you know, nineteen forgetting when you opened that nineteen fifties feel. Now it's this is in a strip mall, strip strip mall, strip mall next to H and R Block, and you know, Colonial Vance, Village, Colonial Village, and Advance Auto Parts. So yeah, it loses feel. Yeah, I mean, they had some of the similar signs in there, like like the Charlie signs. It like, looks like a picture of Wimpy, yeah. but I don't know. Oh, no, I, we, we had a great time. And we nobody, did. nobody, every time people that don't know this, I'm sure people that have listened, but if Joe comes into town, a lot of times he goes right from the airport right to Charlie's. If I can, yeah. But now I don't know I'll be able to do that anymore. It's not in Charlie's anymore. I mean, it's not as close to the airport as it once was. A couple miles make a big, make a big difference. Oh, for I can just jump right off 95, hit 420, boom, I'm at Charlie's. Now That's I got to deal with McDade, traffic, possible Blue Root issues. Oh, it's yeah. a game changer for the airport stop. Yeah, not going to lie. Sounds terrible. All right, would you like to update our avid listeners on the Brotherly Love podcast on the golf that went down over the weekend, the U.S. <laughs> Open? Update us on the golf, please. <laughs> sure, I'll give a quick update. Yeah, but go ahead. Basically, from start to finish, Gary Woodland, uh, he was – you know, the winner of the U.S. Open yesterday, um, he basically controlled it all the way with him, which was kind of nice to see because he's never once done that. Um, he played with Tiger Woods back in the PGA Championship, kind of being with Tiger. And when you're with Tiger Woods on a Sunday and he's in contention, you know, it's a whole different ball game as far as pressure goes. So he says that he contributes that he learned a lot from that experience and he was able to keep, you know, two-time USA <coughs> U.S. Open winner Brooks Kepia at bay. Kepka finished uh, 10 under par. There was, I mean, it was crazy yesterday on the final Sunday. Like, everyone starts out so hot. Um, going to the day, Woodland was leading. Kepka had to make a lot up, but it just came down. It just, there was just so many. I mean, the big thing with, with I think, one of the reasons why Gary Woodland won was just because, like, he never three-putted throughout four days. So, wow. When you can do that, when your putter is that locked in and his short game was so locked in as far as when you get in trouble and you can do other things. So it was good to see. I'm sure people saw the heartfelt story. Gary Woodland at the Waste Management Open out in Arizona. He brought a girl out. She had Down syndrome. She basically parred the putt, and it was pretty much went viral. And uh, it was just a good story. This guy's never won a major. It's his first major. He's 35, he, isn't he? 35 years old. Um so it's just, you know, he's one of the longest hitters on tour, but it seems like they kept talking about how he was working on a short game and it, you know, this year with a different coach and what a difference it made. So it was good to see. There was, I mean, I love seeing finishes. You know, when it comes to golf, there's nothing better than seeing like a close finish on Sunday. If somebody's running away with it, like, like a week before that, Rory McIlroy, he won the Canadian Open and he won like, like 22 under, like he beat the field by like nine strokes. Right. So it's just nice to see Justin Rose. He was in the mix, but he kind of fell apart on that back nine. And just the U.S. Open, that course, Pebble Beach, I've never had the opportunity to play there. But what, I mean, just the, the look and just the mystique of that place with, you know, all the surrounding water and the cliffs and the different types of whole locations. It was, uh, but man, you better be in the fairway on that course because if you were in anywhere in the rough, good luck. Either you're going to break your wrist or you're going to break a club. It's going to be one or the other. Your thoughts on primetime golf because it was on the West Coast. You got the well, it was know, a 9, 10 p.m. Eastern <laughs> where they're wrapping things up. It was a little much because usually they start the day like, 
you know, if the tournament's like on the East Coast, you know, they bring in, you know, the final pairings. It usually goes off at like 3 o'clock, let's say. And then you're watching from like 3 to 7 o'clock. Well, they started the coverage yesterday at 2 o'clock and it went to 10 p.m. at night. So you're talking eight hours of golf. You know, for the people that love to watch it on television, you know, it, you can stomach it. But for those that aren't that interested, it was probably hard for them to take. But I was totally in on it. Good job, Gary. All right, we move from the U.S. Open to the Philadelphia Phillies, who have <sighs> endured more injuries Mostly. after more injuries, and they were absolutely assaulted yesterday in Atlanta. End up dropping two or three of the Braves, now trail the Braves by two and a half games in the NL East. And I will say this, after Friday night's uh, gut-wrenching loss where Hector Neris, excuse me, blew the save, uh, I think it was like a 9-8 final or 8-7, it's the first time all year I've looked at the wild card standings because the Phillies have pretty much led the NL East to this point wire to wire. But I found myself looking at the wild card standings the other night just to see who's in the mix, the Cubs, the D-backs, the Rockies, all sort of hanging around there. And now you've got your Philadelphia Phillies that uh, are seven games above 500. again having dropped two of three in Atlanta. And yesterday was not pretty. It was a 15-1 shellacking. They had position players pitching. They started Vince Velasquez with just – um, the plan in mind to go quickly to Cole Irvin and then quickly to Jared Eikhoff. So they're basically going to piece together a game through their bullpen, essentially. And a lot of folks aren't happy about it because Jake Arrieta was on normal rest and either he didn't want the ball or it wasn't offered to him. But somewhere in there, you would think somebody would say, Lay, let's step up and get this thing done. And Arietta should have started yesterday's game. Instead, he'll start Monday, tonight's game, depending on when you're listening, against the Nationals. And they got blasted. And the Braves look hungry. The Braves, uh, the Braves look quicker. The Braves look more motivated. And yesterday, they whooped the Phils up and down that field. They were taking extra bases. They were all over the base pass for basically the entire game. It was a joke. And to be quite honest, it, it pissed me off a little bit because this Phillies team, they have a good opportunity in front of them. And I know the Andrew McCutcheon injury we talked about a couple podcasts back, it's, it's crippling. And I don't think they can win the World Series without a guy like McCutcheon in their lineup playing every day. But they can still win the division. They can still make the postseason. I expect them to do those things. And the way they play this weekend in Atlanta, between coughing one up, then rallying to win one Saturday, and you're thinking, here we go. Sunday they come out flat. They give themselves no chance. And there have been a couple times this year where Kapler appears to be content to throw a game away. And I know it's a 162-game season. You're going to have some stinkers. But there have been a couple of times now this year where it's almost been like, well, we'll just play for the next one. That's my opinion, seeing the manager in some of those situations where it's been a long game and, you know, do you run a certain guy out there? Well, we can't pitch this guy because we have tomorrow's game. And there's there hasn't been this win tonight, forget tomorrow. It's been almost, well, let's just win tomorrow at times. And that's been frustrating for me. And now they're two and a half games back. Yeah, it's it just seems like – how many times are we going to say this year that looks like the Phillies are just getting caught with their pants down? Um, like, is it where Gabe, he burns out the bullpen and they have nobody else that can pitch? Now they got to bring in position players? Like, this is – and, again, it, it, it comes back to just not having a lot of starting pitching that can get you six to seven innings yeah. in a game. That's a good point. Everybody is just so burned out. It's like, come on, man, like – I know the game has changed in a lot of ways, and you don't see many guys that are throwing complete games anymore, and I get that. But I think the bigger picture we have to look at is, you know, okay, we all knew going into the season that, you know, they had a lot of these great hitting pieces. 
But, I mean, the big question was always going to be the pitching. And now Matt Klintak, he needs to look in the mirror and say, all right, well, what can we do to go out? Because obviously they, they need another starter, a decent starter. I'm not talking like your Joe Blanning guy that you're 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 coming Joe up the with. Pitcher. You're coming up with to get you know to to put in that rotation in the four or five spot. They need a legitimate one two type type starter. Um, bullpen, obviously the injuries. Once they start getting back from injury, it, it, it it'll make a difference. It'll, it'll make ma- a difference because there's more arms. Right. I don't know it's going to make a difference. No talent wise. I mean, yeah. you know, people like keep we're, touting. We're clamoring Tom, for Adam Morgan, Tommy Tom, Hunter, and Tom, Pat Neshek. The, the, the Tommy like, Hunters thing. Uh, Neshek. Oh my God. A lot of these come guys. Come across t- tough times well, for the fan at, base yeah. when you're waiting for those guys to come off the injured list. At this point, I might give Jamie Moyer a call and see what he's up if to. If he can reach 68 miles an hour, he'd be an upgrade. <laughs> I'll it's tell you, man. Decade, Vincent, right? 2008, Vin- yeah. he was pitching about 80, 81. Yeah. I mean, Vincent Velasquez, I mean, he's just been such a disappointment. Like, it's been okay in the bullpen. Yeah. And yesterday he comes out, he hits Acuna to start the game. Right. Tries to pick him off, throws it to East Jabip. <laughs> right. Well, and before you know it, it's 3 nothing Braves. Yeah, like, well, you're not ready he... to start the game if that's how you're not prepared. No, no, not prepared. And apparently he got news late Saturday night that he was going on Sunday, apparently, from what I understand. So, But, again, that miscommunication, that's like that's such a problem. Like, it just seems like not everyone's on the same page. And Cole Irvin, like, I got to be honest, man, he doesn't have the stuff. No, he stinks. Cole, he might not have the stuff. Eichhoff might not have the stuff. So all these guys, you know, that they've acquired in trades, like, like look at look at the Hamels trade. Like, when they sent him where? To the Rangers? Yep. Who who did we get back? Nick Williams. Williams Alfaro. Right? Alfaro. Eichhoff, right? Eichhoff, right. And maybe Holland? Was he, like, the fourth? Uh, yeah, that pitcher. guy that was hurt was never going to play for him. Was it Eflin, though, too? There was another pit. There's been one player that has well, been. I think the only one that got you anything in return was Alfaro because you were able to get JT in that deal. Now oh. he's hurt. The Phillies traded Hamels and Jake Diekman of the Texas Rangers. Oh, Diekman. Okay. Oh, oh, and oh. in exchange, they got Jorge Alfaro, okay. Nick Williams, uh-huh. Jake Thompson, Alec Asher, and Jared Eikhoff, and veteran lefty Matt Harrison. Well, I guess yeah. Harrison was the guy that was basically dead. He never played. Right. He had uh, an injury. Now Thompson was in the minors, right? Came up last year, yeah, had a couple stunk. spot starts, right? He was terrible. Right. So Alec th- Asher never heard right. from. Right. Alfaro, we just talked about traded. Nick Williams, I think the last time he had a hit was last season. He looks so lost. So lost, right? So out of that trade, I think the Rollins trade brought you Eflin. By the way. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. He did come from the day. So, like, that trade alone, you know, granted, you know, Cole was aging, but w- what did we get out of that? <laughs> I mean, Which it's exactly uh, why the like Phillies the th- should trade. be willing yeah. to package four or five prospects and a plug. Right, to go get a, get a relevant starter. Yes, get whoever is out there on the market. Now, the, the hot name on the market, the people in the Phillies have been scouting him, is Madison Bumgarner. Right. Now, he does. I saw Granke's name as well, but you're right. Oh, They've and been Granke scouting too, right. Giants games. So, but the question, you know, he has a no trade clause, and the Phillies happen to be on his list. Now, I don't know if that's a negotiating thing. You say, listen, if we sign you as a free agent, you know, money talks and blank walks, you know what I mean? So they, they could pull that off, but. For them to even contend, I think, or not even contend, to compete for the wild card, 
they're going to have to do a lot of moves at the at the deadline because and and then in the bigger picture too is sometimes this offense just doesn't produce you know the phillies have the lowest home like when guys are in scoring position i heard the stat like they have the lowest like um home run totals when they have a man on second like in the entire major league so that means like they're not hitting home runs when people are on base, which is never good as well. I'm so. going to read you tonight's lineup against the Nationals. <laughs> Don't you tell do me it. what year this is from. Is this like a 2015 Phillies team that stinks, or is nah. this they're actually going to take the field tonight? Here we go. Segura? Okay. Solid. Harper? Okay. Solid. Jetpacks? Scott Kingery, been okay. the best hitter they've had for yeah. three weeks. Hoskins? Hoskins. Right. Who's the and ball? your boy, Sean Rodriguez. Woo! Playing what field's he playing? Left, left field. Roman Quinn coming off the injured list. Oh, yeah. Romy. Cesar Hernandez. Cesar Salad. Andrew Knapp. Knapper. Jake Arrieta. So you Knapp have Rodriguez. Knapper. Knapp and Quinn in there that basically, you know, they're not start, They're not opening day players. Yeah. There's a third year lineup. Yeah. You know, and and I'm a believer in Roman Quinn because he plays with some moxie and he plays with some speed, and Lord knows he needs speed in their lineup. Yeah, if he could just stay healthy. And Scott Kingery is starting to find a little bit of form. So, you know, can you get Real Muto back, Jay Bruce back? Can you get Kingery to keep up this pace? And then maybe you've got yourself a little bit of a shot, but they are just, they're banged up. They're losing bodies left and right. And it's at a bad time of year. And again, again, Bryce Harper is not carrying this team. Period. And a sentence. I'd like to see it. Can we see it? At he thirty-three not, million dollars or whatever the hell they're paying him this year. I love how you think he is the nice. only problem on this team. I don't think it's the only problem. I just gave you ten problems. I just think that when you're paying a guy this amount of money, stepping up and carrying the team for a week. Give me a goddamn week, John Mita, but where how? he hits six dingers and bats 400. Okay. Can I get that from That's a guy fair. making $33 million? That's fair. Look at some of the other guys that make that kind of money and what type of production. Nobody else is making that money in That's Major League Baseball market bears, outside though. of Mike Trout. Well, and he's having is. another phenomenal season. Well, he is Mike Trout. <laughs> I mean, you, I'm just saying, your boy Bryce, Bryce Harper, if he could terrible. just – just carry the team for a week. That's Maybe he'll all. do it tonight. We'll see. All it's right. This is old squad. We've got some new champs. The Blues. Yeah. And the Raptors. Yes. You take the NBA. Go right ahead. All right. So, NBA. So, now the uh, the O'Brien Trophy is officially. It's in O Canada. It's in another continent for the first time in the history of the league. So, Toronto Raptors, game six, take down the Golden State Warriors. Um, Game was back and forth. It was a pretty good basketball game. Uh, the biggest story of the game had to be the injury to Clay Thompson. He's going up for a jam on a fast break. Danny Green hammers him. He gets his feet tangled. He lands awkwardly and then grabs his knee immediately. I thought, well, there goes an ACL, some type of yeah. knee injury. Steph Curry's down the other end chewing on his mouthpiece in the fetal position. Yeah, He knew exactly what was going on. Then all of a sudden, Clay Thompson comes out to make the free throws because he knew that Toronto's coach would have probably put, you know, right. Jordan Bell, somebody shooting well, a whopping. Carson Wentz can throw a touchdown 30%. pass on a ACL play later. That's all. Thompson can hit a couple. So Clay Thompson throws. comes back and hits the two free throws. That battles back and forth. You know, the Warriors are gritty, but Toronto just just had enough to uh to hold them off. And listen, you can't 
give Toronto enough credit for what they did. They were down. I mean, people don't realize the position they were. Uh, they were in like even uh, like they were down two nothing to the Milwaukee Bucks, and they came back. And granted, and I know, like like listen, when the Warriors, if they were at full strength, I'm not so sure Toronto can beat them at full strength, but. I thought the one thing you saw in this series was how tremendous a player Kawhi Leonard is. You know, the guy averaged 30 points, nine rebounds. They did low management so he can make this playoff run be the healthiest he could be, and it just made a difference. And, you know, going back from a Sixers standpoint, everybody, the big trade chip that San Antonio wanted from the Philadelphia 76ers, sure, we will give you Kawhi Leonard, but Ben Simmons has to be included in the deal. So the question you ask yourself, Philadelphia Philadelphia Sixer fans, would you have done the deal? You know, knowing what you now know about how the way Ben Simmons came into this season, but it was just remarkable. And the Golden State, you know, they they went for their three-peat. They got denied. So, and now they have two guys on the shelf, which impacts free agency. And um, Yeah, but what's to say that they won't be back, maybe not this upcoming season because of the injuries, but the following year. And people that want to write off and take shots at their quote-unquote dynasty, like, take a deep breath. Relax. Yeah. It's June still. All right. Like, well, they've the- just gone to five NBA finals in a row. Yeah. And people are like, oh, it's just dynasty. They didn't do anything. Not good enough. Yeah. Not go- They beat the Cavs without Love and Irving. And yeah. who would they really beat? Are you kidding me? This team well, won an NBA record. Yeah. Games in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to win a championship every year. If it was that well, easy, everybody would be doing it. I don't think LeBron comes back and beats him if Draymond doesn't kick him in the nets. Yeah. And you get know, he gets suspension. suspended the next game. That game's in Golden State. It would shut the door. And then Cleveland comes back for the first time being down, you know, any team in NBA history to be down 3-1 and come back and win. And that's kind of what Golden State was trying to accomplish. But, I mean, take nothing away from Toronto. Kyle Lowry, you know, big ups to him. He's a former Nova Wildcat, once a Wildcat, always a Wildcat. So, you know, I was happy to see that, you know, Kyle Lowry got an NBA championship. A lot of people think he's kind of a dirty player, but it is what it is. But he showed true grit. He came out gangbusters in game six, had like 21 points in the first half. It was an amazing performance out of him. And you look at what the I think the big difference in this series, too, is like kind of what the Toronto role players did. Fred Van Vliet, he was absent in the Sixers in the series against the Sixers. He came up large. The acquisition of Mark Gasol at the trade deadline to give him that center that can kind of stretch the floor, hit three pointers. He created a lot of mismatches. Golden State really didn't really have an answer for him. And Serge Ibaka played his tail off. He was, you know, the grit getting him the inside point. So all in all, but I'll tell you what, man, it just I mean, the one thing you take from the series is how special of a player Kawhi Leonard is. Yeah, and their defense. Because he's they the clo- – Yeah, they're locking down defense. I mean, he is the closest thing right now, I think, to Jordan. When I say that, I'm not comparing him directly like, like Michael, but when you look at a two-way player that has such an impact on both sides of the floor, you know, he's right there. All right, who wins the NBA title next year? That's a great question. Not the L.A. Lakers. And then that's the other quick news. Blockbuster trade. L.A. Lakers get Anthony Davis in a blockbuster deal with New Orleans. New Orleans acquires the rights of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round draft picks, including this year's number four draft pick. So I will mightily root hard against the Lakers. I can't stand them. LeBron gets his way again. Rich Paul, 
the whole nine. I'm so sick of them controlling the league again. Yeah. You know, LeBron's like people are like, oh, he's better than Jordan. Well, Jordan didn't go off me like, yo, give me Magic Johnson. I'll take Larry and, uh, I don't know, Patrick Ewing available. Like, give me a break. Stop with the LeBron-Jordan talk. That that discussion is dead. Um, but next year, I mean, it's wide open. I mean, could next year be the year? It, depending on what the Houston Rockets do in the offseason, like, I think they're one other player away from, like, you know, making the final stamp. And with Durant being injured and Klay Thompson – that completely debunks the Warriors. I don't care. They could draft somebody. There, there's nothing they can do that can bring them back. And, and free agency this year, I, I heard a stat yesterday. Is it 40% of the NBA are free agents this year? Wow. Which is just unfathomable. That many guys are free agents. So, you know, where does Durant land? Where does Kyrie Irving, does he go? You know, Kemba Walker, Ka- Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the two big prizes on the free agency front were – Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, then the third prize would probably be Klay Thompson. He's also a free agent. That's why you got to feel for those guys. They they lay it out there. They play for the teams in the finals, and now they have season-ending injuries that also they could affect their seasons next year. They might not even be able to play. So to answer your question, who's going to win the championship? Listen, if Toronto, if Kawhi Leonard finds a way to stay in Toronto, they'll have a great shot to repeat. And maybe maybe Houston, maybe Denver. I don't know. I mean, it'll be wide open. I think next year will be the first year where it's completely wide open. Why not the Sixers? You know, once Ben Simmons practices that jump shot. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Probably That not. ain't happened. We transition from the NBA to <laughs> John Mita's new favorite song. Oh, yeah. I was dancing this at three years old, 1982. Laura Branigan, Gloria. <laughs> They're singing it all over St. Louis. The Blues are the champs. I never thought it would happen because I didn't think they had a shot against Boston. I thought Tuka Rask was going to outplay Jordan Bennington. He did, just not enough games in the series where he did. Game seven was a Jordan Bennington show. The youngster kept the minute. The first eight, nine minutes, it could have been 3 nothing Boston and lights out. Said he quieted the crowd. Gave the Blues a chance, and when St. Louis got two late first period goals to take that 2-0 lead in the dressing room, it was lights out for Boston. So you got to give the Blues credit. Craig Berube, former Flyer, now a Stanley Cup champion head coach. Braden Shen, of course, was a big part of the Flyers organization for a while. He's now got a ring, and uh, they were a team that added some pieces like Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen in recent years. They developed well. They've got young defensemen that came up through their system. And they caught lightning in a bottle to win the Stanley Cup. And I don't think it's unfair to call it that. You look now, the couple of the last Cup champions, not all of the last Cup champions, but you've had midseason coaching changes. Pittsburgh made a midseason coaching change, and the Penguins won it all with Mike Sullivan. And now you've had the Blues do it with Craig Berube. And you've had rookie goaltenders, Pittsburgh and St. Louis, and Murray and Bennington. So there have been some sort of – trends recently in the NHL. Gas your coach midseason. Sometimes turns your team around, even if it's not immediately. And sometimes you add a rookie goaltender, a hot young stud that catches uh, some fire between the pipes and he carries you to a title. I saw Jordan Bennington, I said it before, play this year in the American Hockey League. I'm about as surprised as anyone that he went from there to lifting the Stanley Cup, but he did it. And he was locked in in that game seven. Congrats to the Blues. They had a hell of a parade. Brett Hull's been drunk for like three weeks. Oh. And uh, they they really d- 
developed this theme song, Playing Gloria. The whole city's been singing it. And then you told me that this started in Philly because they were playing the Flyers on January the 7th at the time of their the first game of their 11-game winning streak, turned their season around. Jordan Bennington's debut, it was in Philly. He shut out the Flyers. That was when the Flyers had Mike McKenna in net or as part of their goaltending carousel. Exactly. Ooh, Talking about another guy I've seen a lot in the minors. <laughs> but uh, you told me that there was a Philly bar that became sort of a St. Louis bar during the playoffs. Yeah. And I was not happy to hear about this. I thought it was fugazi as hell. And you sent me the link. And I don't want to butcher this here. So Jack's NYB, 40 members of Jack's NYB. That's a Mummers Brigade. Yeah. They actually went and partook in the St. Louis Blues Championship, Stanley Cup Championship Parade in St. Louis. So there were five members of the Blues watching the Eagles-Bears playoff game the day before they went to play the Flyers. So you got Blues players in Philly watching NFL football in a Philly bar, and members of the Jacks, Jacks NYB, were, quote, shocked to find out that the Blues started playing Gloria by Laura Branigan, a song they played to win first place at the Mummers Parade. The Blues were playing in the locker room after every win. They got the song, I guess, because the Mummers guys were playing on the jukebox that day in the sports room. Whatever the tie-in is there, you got Philly fans becoming bandwagon St. Louis fans, wearing St. Louis paraphernalia, traveling to St. Louis to be in the parade for crying out loud, as if their own parade's not lame enough. I mean, what a disaster. What a joke. This yeah. is not this is yeah. brutal. It, listen, I mean, here's the deal. It's such fake fandom. It, well, they, they got caught up. I mean, listen, I think – I mean, you've been around hockey players, you know, for a really long time, Joe. And you know the type of guys they are, like the athletes and everything else with them. And I just think it's – they got caught up, right? So these guys come into the bar and they're chilling and they're, like, having a good time with them and they're sharing stories. And then they just got so caught up and they were just so pissed off, I guess, at the Flyers. But, listen – there's no excuse. No. You know, to go show up and be a part of their parade? No. Like, no, that's never. that's a little loose. I, I can't. If you want to be Listen, like, if you uh, want to adopt them as yes. your second team. No, 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 no. Let's not even go there. You want to <laughs> root for them because they're playing the Bruins. Yes. Or because they're playing the Sharks and you don't care about the Sharks. But, like, they're in the Western Conference Finals. All right, let's cheer for St. Louis. Those guys, we had a good time with them. Remember back in January they came into the bar? Oh, these guys are fun. That's fine. That's fine. Boston sucks. We hate Boston. Root for anybody other than Boston. That's fine. I was rooting for the Blues. But don't give me this garbage that you became such a big fan of the team because five guys showed up in your bar for three hours to get drunk the day before their hockey game. Like, that is a joke. <laughs> All right? I know a member, two members of the Blues coaching staff, one pretty well and Craig Berube, who I've interviewed and met and had beers with, and Mike Van Ryan I worked with for two years in Houston. He's on the Blues bench. You see me wearing Blues stuff? Did I go to the parade in St. Louis? No. Why not? I know them. I'm buddies well, with them. I've had beers with them. Well, you never know, Joe. Maybe Give it's... me a break. <laughs> These guys are not real fans. A bunch of losers. Uh, it's pretty fraudulent. I and mean, some of them are young. Like, this is embarrassing. I'm looking at this photo. That's millennials, Joe. Millennials. We don't fit that title, which is nice. I mean, it's embarrassing. But, yeah, like, you, you can't do that. And, hey. and for the record, the, the Mummers stinks, all right? Let's <laughs> not offend our, our Mummer listeners. Yeah. Might be one of them, two of them. <laughs>
rather listen to Glory on repeat than no. my ears bleed out <laughs> to go to a mummer's parade right now. Wow, the venom. Put on a costume next time you come to a Flyers game because uh. you're not a real fan. Yeah, are we going to uh, – let's just transition right into the Eagles. Yeah, let's do it. Because the big news that dropped for those of, the, of you that probably have already heard, but Carson Wentz gets the mega deal. Um, I guess the numbers were what, $128 million total, 107 of it guaranteed, um, which was a pretty big deal. But, you know, Joe Banner, who I can't stand. $66 million at signing. Six, yeah, right. So apparently, so here's how the contract breaks down, described by Joe Banner. The last two years of Carson Wentz's deal, now it becomes they'll have him for another six years. He was going to be getting paid regardless of whatever the hell happened if, you know, chaos ensued. You know, yeah, his leg falls off. He anything get happens, paid. right, he's going to get $31 million guaranteed. So essentially they're giving him another boost of $35 million in the first four years. So – 66 million. So this is a very friendly. You got to give Howie Roseman credit, man. The way this guy crunches the numbers, certain things that he, the way he manipulates things in the cap, he's just an absolute genius. Because when it comes down to it, these quarterbacks that are making like 35 million dollars, I'm talking about like Aaron Rodgers of the Worlds, the Matt Staffords, um, you know Carson Wentz total on his contract, he's going to be making between like $28 million, so it's a very cap-friendly deal. You have the, the, the lockout that could happen within the next two years. Um, so it's, listen, you had to do this. The question is, when would you do it? If he goes out and has an MVP season next year, that number might increase by 5 to $8 million per season. So he, he might have been getting $170 million, something in that realm. That's what I think Mahomes is going to get eventually. We'll see what happens. But I think that's that's kind of the way it's trending. The other deal is the salary cap moves up anywhere from an average of 3 to $5 million per season. The good thing about this deal is it doesn't hamstring them. Like you look at a deal like what the Ravens had to do to play Joe Flacco. They paid him so much money, and then they kind of let them – it kind of kept them from keeping the band together. Right, and then Joe Flacco stinks – you have to add that in. Too. Right. Yeah, and then there's he's that. He's actually not a good quarterback. <laughs> right. Well, he caught lightning in a bottle. But, yes, he's not that great. Um, But he still has a Super Bowl ring. But so does Trent Dilfer. Um, right. So, but I understand what you're saying. But all in all, and the other thing is, okay, now that they got this Carson deal done, the question is, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, he was upset with his contract because you look at all these safeties that got paid. So how are the Eagles going to do it? Are they just going to sweeten his deal by a couple million? Are they going to rip up the old deal and sign him to a new deal that's comparable to some of what the safeties got? I don't know how you feel about that. All right, breaking news. This just in, shooting at the Toronto's Raptors parade. Oh, nice. Good Toronto, job, Toronto police confirm at least two people suffered serious injuries from shooting at a Raptor celebration. So for all those people who think gun con- gun control is a problem in this country, yeah. apparently it's a problem in the north as well. Anyway, I wow. digress. Good job, Canada. All right, go back to you. Sorry. So how, what are your thoughts on the Wentz contract? I mean, Do you I, like the deal? Oh, I love it. I love it because it had to get done. The sooner the better. The less, the more it lingers, the more it gets talked about, the more it becomes a distraction. Great Just point. get it done. Pay the guy. When a nerd like Joe Banner's out there saying it's a good <laughs> deal, because of X, Y, Z, and then you read it and you go, yeah, logically, it makes sense. Just give him some extra money up front. Everything else is almost a wash. 
market value five years from now with the cap going up, whatever. It just made sense to get it done. We know how good he is. Right. And I people mean, tend to forget that. Like, that's little, what pisses uh, me listen, off. There will be a little bit of him early on in the season. There's going to be some pressure for him to play to his expectations and his capabilities and to stay out of his own head. Because right. we know this much about Wentz from recent transgressions and stories. Sure, I agree. He puts a lot of pressure on himself, and he wants to be the man. And you can run yourself into trouble when you're trying too hard. Press. So he's just got to yeah. settle down, make his reads, use his athleticism, be as great as we know he can be. They have enough talent around him. He doesn't have to do it all, and this team's going to be just fine. Pay the man. They paid him. Boom. The other thing Get is, too, and Brian Westbrook, and I heard this on 97.5, that he, he brought up a good point. Like, now that Carson Wentz is paid, he doesn't have to think about anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got the security. He doesn't have to think about another quarterback over his shoulder. Is he going to take my starting spot? Are they going to get rid of me? Am I going to be out of town? And all he has to do is just come in. Right. And this season's so different because, like, yes, of course, he's coming off a back injury. I get nah, it. He's fine. But, like, the, he's going to be able to just focus on football. And the weapons that they surrounded him with, I mean, one of the big questions, Joe, and I'll pose this to you is, and obviously, you know, the season hasn't happened yet, and it's kind of premature. And uh, basically, the, the thing is, it's like, who's going to have a better offense? Is it going to be this team or the team that won the Super Bowl? Because if you look at the weapons on this offense, you know, look at tight ends-wise, right? You got Zach Ertz and you got Goddard. Well, is that better than Zach Ertz, you know, Brett Selleck, and Trey Burton? You know, and you look at look at the receivers' wise. Deshaun Jackson, you know, is he better than well, what Tory Smith? The receivers on this year's team are better. The running backs are not better. Although Jordan Howard, who knows? You know, I, I, think, I think it's to be determined. Yeah, I would yep. say I'd give them I'd give them the edge, but I think it's the to be determined. The offensive line, I think, is probably you know. Well, now you added we'll more see. depth. We'll see. I mean, you got at least you have a replacement for Peters. If somewhere to go wrong, you know, Dillard's there in the waiting, and I think the one thing, if you look at both the the teams comparable, it's like I think the one thing that they might be a little lighter in is defensive line. I've got. Oh I've my got, God! Did you hear that? Hey, you probably didn't hear that. You're away. Did Malik Jackson just had no idea where the city of Philadelphia was? I mean, not a clue. What do you mean? He didn't like know where they the literally city asked him, "Did you know where Philadelphia was?" And he goes, "I knew it was on the East Coast. I knew Jersey and New York." He had no clue. So yeah. he's a smart one. He's, it doesn't sound like he's the sharpest tool in the box, but uh, you know, Malik, if you want to come on to the BL podcast, we'd love to. Yeah, have we'd you. love to have you. <laughs> we love talking to guys like you. Um, all right, I've got a uh, spread the love. I know you got to right. damn that stack. I'm gonna spread right. the love to a guy that you we kind of just touched on a minute ago, and Deshaun Jackson. You don't know if you saw this, Ooh. but Slippery D, my boy, <laughs> Slippery D, back in the fall. He went uh, around Drink that the jersey um, out of mothballs, Joe. You know he. I don't want to say the shadier areas of Philadelphia, some of the rundown parts. He brought a bunch of food for the homeless. Now, he did publicize it on his Instagram page, but I don't care if that's going to mean he's going to do more good deeds because he wants to show the folks on social media what he's about, man of the people. Amen. But he literally rolled out of his SUV with some of his crew, and they started handing out food to folks that were homeless. So good job to Sean Jackson. Obviously a much more mature and changed man and wide receiver than first time around when he's probably more likely to be at Delilah's yeah. Handing out food to the homeless well, in the I, corner during his free time. So well, spread I, the love to Deshaun Jackson for his uh, sort of charitable, in a way, almost yeah. unassuming effort to make Philly a better place. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like that was amazing to see, and I think 
you know, him becoming a family man. Like when guys and listen, you know, firsthand, you're you're a father of three. I don't know it. I don't have my own children, but you know, he became a father, and I think it kind of changed him a little bit. And you know, him losing his father to pancreatic cancer. I think him being away, he has matured a great deal. The other thing is too. Like, he was showing up at all the OTAs, trying to get on the same page yeah, with Carson. Carson brought – I don't know if you heard this story. Carson went out of the bank once he got that new deal and bought everybody on the offense a big bottle of Louis Trey. And that is an expensive piece of liquor, my friends. We're talking in the 3700 range these days. Really? For a bottle? For a bottle. Comes in a crystal glass with case and glasses and whatever else. The other thing is um, – so that that's great to see that. So I'm I'm happy that he's back in town, and I think he's going to make a huge impact. Obviously, with him being so small and slight, sometimes he gets a little banged up, but he is going to be an, a tremendous weapon for this offense, if not to take pressure off other parts of the offense and free other people up. That's exactly what, you know, he's there to do. Now, let's get to uh, my damn that's tacky, and I'm going to go back to the north. Yeah. All yeah. right? And I'm going to talk NBA Finals with Kevin Durant. First of all, I want to talk about all the tacky people that criticize Kevin Durant for not coming back and not having the heart to go play for his team. All those people that criticize him, oh, he's not strong enough, he's not tough enough, you know, he's milking this injury. Listen, I had a calf injury. Okay, I blew my calf out. I'm no athlete. I will never admit that I am an athlete. <laughs> but it took me 22 sessions of physical therapy. Think about that. 22 sessions if I was going two times a week that's like over a couple months and that was just and I could still feel it I could still feel the pain in my calf muscle even when I was fully recovered so it's not something that you don't feel so all the naysayers all the people that criticize them on social media just shut up all right guy then goes out he plays gives his all he's coming off gangbusters has 11 points in the first quarter then he tries to do a crossover Foot plants, gets stuck, boom, goes to the floor, shreds his Achilles. Now, he could have had, had a strained Achilles along with the torn calf. And then all the and then the, the most tacky scene was this bar in Toronto where they erupted like they won the NBA championship. I, again, it's human nature. You see the other team's best player get hurt. You're like, oh, great, woo, and then – yeah, then you but move on. Then you move on. It's like a quick – but listen, Unless the way it's that – Michael Irvin. Because Michael Irvin, almost dead on the vet turf, is one of the greatest things in Philadelphia sports history, and we should never <laughs> not embrace it as a society. As a group of fans, it should be something that we put <laughs> on our tombstone as a fan base. It should well, be in I, our I just, I obituary. Just, yeah, I just say saw booed it. Michael Irvin yeah. when he almost broke his neck at the vet because that was warranted. Yeah. That well, guy's a scumbag. <laughs> well, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, continue. that's the other thing. It's like That's the only time when it's Well, that's cool. the other thing. It's like Kevin Durant, he's not that bad of a guy. Like, I mean, he's like, you know, some people he rubs the wrong way. I get it. But, like, I mean, these people are, like, cheering. It's like watching your arch enemy, you know, some guy you have this competition with, and you see him getting into a car accident, and you're there cheering like, yeah. ah, hope he's alive. You're like, what? What do you mean? I'm like – you can't root for that. Like, you're talking about that. Yeah, it's and a bad he, luck. And here's the other deal. Like, the guy's a free agent. Granted, he's going to get paid. He's not going to be in the poorhouse. But I just, the look. And, and the other tacky look was, you know, the, the, the Warriors owner that pushed Kyle Lowry in the stands. Like, are you kidding me? Like, dude, just 
keep your hands to yourself. You're lucky that athlete didn't beat you to beat the yeah. brakes off you. Like it was Mouse in the Palace, Ron Artest 2.0. Yeah. But anyway, so I just thought the, the Toronto fans' behavior was kind of pretty damn tacky. But, I mean, I know it's human nature to cheer, whatever, for a little bit, but to celebrate. And uh, granted, it, it's going to give you a better opportunity to, li- to win. But, you know, do you feel better that you beat them with two of their best players? I mean, does that take anything away? I don't know. No, anyway. I mean, at the end of the day, championship is championship. I know, you know? I know. You're not, you're not going to look back. you got to beat who's in front of you. And they took That's advantage all. of a wounded Warriors and they did. team. That's it. By the way, can can the other leagues get to the speed and catch up to the NHL? Hand the trophy to the players first. We were talking about this a little bit last night. But yeah. when the Stanley Cup gets handed out from the commissioner, Gary Bettman, it goes right to a player, immediately drops F-bombs and says A at the end of it. And you get those good Canadian accents, and they hand it player to player to player, and you see the raw emotion. NBA title gets handed out a night later, and it's the owner holding it up. And all the players are behind him. And all the players will be like, listen, small white man, hand us the trophy. We earned it. Like, you're the owner. You you get to keep the trophy in a case in your office forever. Well, I mean, you're signing in the, meantime, the checks, man. Give it to the players. That's a big they deal. They earned it. You're Let signing the checks. First. You know, the NHL does it right. <laughs> all right, Johnny Meade, good stuff, brother. When will I see you again? Uh, for a podcast, do you think? I don't know. Are you headed back? To, well, you'll be in Minnesota all next it's week. It's going to have to be another. We're probably Two weeks. Hit. Oh, the other thing we need to get to, too, is the NBA draft is this Thursday. Yeah, all right. Who do you got? So, I don't know. I just hope they take Carson Edwards. There's a couple people I want. It's either you got to either draft Carson Edwards or you got to take a backup center. Carson to Edwards, that kid from Purdue? Yes, Shot that's who I want. Out against Nova? Yes, that's right. who I want. You heard it here first, Brotherly Love Podcast. Carson, Ed- Carson Edwards. We need another Carson town. Let's do it. John Mita calling for Carson Edwards. Uh, all right, well, we'll figure out time, do one via the phones, and then uh, we'll get one back going in July face-to-face down in Stone Harbor with the Seagulls chirping. Seagulls are chirping. Appreciate everybody tuning in on SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast. 37 days to mini camp or to uh, training camp. Woo! I don't have a song to play on the outro. You got any recommendations? Yeah, Gloria. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you and your Burn that song. Nah. You and your mummers. Nah, I don't know what to play. Uh, I got something for you. Here you go. We're going to just fire out the little man eater. Why not? Oh, yeah. Well, Daryl and John oh, takes on out of here. Oh, you love Hall Notes, John baby. made it. Joe Donald, thanks for everybody tuning in. Until next time, we'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 